Good day, listeners. Jonathan Darty here with another edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. You know, screens are everywhere. And while, you know, they're not bad or wrong as a tool, the way we engage them and what we allow them to show us can be negative. So how can we build better screen time for ourselves and our families? Well, I'm excited to have our guest, Andrea Davis, on the program today. She is the founder and CEO of Better Screen Time, which provides strategies and resources for families to really think through how to engage technology and screens for better health and balance in life and relationships. In the program, Andrea shares her own story as a parent of five kids and some of the challenges and victories that they've experienced in working out these strategies in their own family. And she also shares things like why you know cell phone contracts rarely work and some better strategies for creating what she calls a family tech plan to learn personal responsibility around technology. So to learn more about Andrea and the resources that she provides, you can visit betterscreentime.com. For even more resources, visit bebroken.org or you can check out links in today's show notes. And friends, we'd love it if you would rate and review the program after listening because this really does help others to find it. Pure Sex Radio is produced by Be Broken, and we exist to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. So let's dive into today's great conversation with Andrea. Well, all right, Andrea Davis, welcome to the program. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so our paths sort of crossed because of uh, the fact that we have John Fort on our staff as our director of training and really kind of the the one who oversees all of our family care ministry. And I guess you guys had connected. And anyway, there's there's this kind of little uh, club that starts happening in this space of ministry <laughs> because there's not a whole lot of us, actually, that are doing this kind of ministry, dealing with all kinds of issues of sexual brokenness and, and all of that. Um, but I would love our audience to be able to just get to know you a little bit. And if you could share a little bit of the backstory of how you got into the work that you're doing now and trying to help families navigate sort of the digital chaos in our world today. Yes. So uh, first and foremost, I'm a mother of five. My oldest, I just took to college about a month ago, and my youngest is nine. So we span the ages there. I have four girls and one boy um, married. My husband, Tyler, is a software engineer, and we live in Oregon. And really, this journey started when we moved from, we used to live in Illinois. We had a big cross-country move from Illinois to Oregon. And at the time, our oldest child was 12 years old. And she was the ultimate oldest child, like super responsible, the kind of kid that cleans her room without being asked. And we handed over a smartphone to her, an abandoned smartphone, so that she could stay in touch with these friends that we'd left behind because they were all getting phones and so that we could get a hold of her in this place where we didn't know anyone. Well, fast forward a few months later, and I remember my daughter coming home from school and she was having her after school snack. She was spooning her cereal into her mouth with one hand and she was doing this, scrolling with the other and not talking to me. And it used to be one of those moments when we would have a like, how was your day? And one of those connection moments. And I could see that this device really was getting in the middle of that. Well, fast forward a few months after that, I was scrolling on my own phone and came across a social media post from my daughter. 
and she was lip syncing the words to a song and had her hand to her head like this, like she was singing about a Glock. And, um, that definitely gave a mental trigger inside of me and set something off where I realized I'd failed her. I had given her too much too soon and that we really needed to hit the reset button. So we did, we went back to a brick phone, which was really all that was available at the time. And there were a lot of tears. It was very challenging, but I thought in that moment, I just thought parents need more warnings. They need more help because as I then dove into the research on the topic, a lot of information was very fear-based and I started parenting from that place of fear And I quickly learned that that wasn't helpful either. And so there had to be this space where parents felt like, yes, we'll use technology as a tool, but when the time is right and that we can teach our kids and we can take this very slowly. So that kind of became my mission to help parents take the slow tech approach and to worry less about tech and connect more with their kids. Yeah, that's so good. Um, so let's talk a little, about, a little bit just about kind of the landscape that parents are facing in the culture today regarding things, technology, and really especially around the issues of uh, sex and sexuality. What are you seeing that be, are kind of the most prevalent challenges and maybe even questions that parents are having around just the current landscape of technology in our world today? I think one of the trickiest things is that is social media itself. And that's simply because it's very largely unregulated. And so, you know, we might think, okay, well, it says that 13 and up can use this app, but we know that 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 age is based on laws that were made years and years ago before these social media platforms even existed. And that I think that's what's scary for parents and is knowing that the type of content that our kids might be seeing, especially on social media and just online in general, is not very regulated and that we have very little control over that aspect. And so I think another concern is just that our kids obviously are being influenced by that. And there's no way that they cannot be um, in shaping their choices. And these are, it's such a pivotal age when we're, our kids are just figuring out who they are, especially at that adolescent age. And so they are very influenced by what other people are doing. And we want them rather than making those choices and decisions based on, you know, what maybe influencers are saying or what they're seeing on TikTok or what their friends are saying on Snapchat. We instead, obviously we want them to figure out who they are from within. And obviously, um, getting that divine help, looking for help from above of figuring out who they are. And obviously as a family, we want to be able to share our own values and we want our values to be stronger than those of the world. And so I think that's one of the biggest challenges that parents face is that technology is an amazing tool. It can be used for good, but we really have to take a measured and and slow approach because our kids are are so easily influenced because of the just the stages of development. And I and I always tell parents, you know, I love the science of the brain and looking at so that prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that's responsible for decision making, that's kind of like our brakes. You know, that's not fully in place for our kids and isn't fully in place until we're in our mid-20s. And so we're really asking a lot of our kids as we 
might hand over a device that is really just showing them the world and that and then not only is the brain under construction but they're dealing with persuasive design which is designed to keep them hooked and connected right so those are some of the challenges that we're seeing yeah and i think tack on top of that that then then there are actually you know pornographers that are also having kind of a predatory uh, attitude in that because they know they can leverage these platforms in order to and then um, try to sort of trick kids into getting hooked on porn. I saw a stat, this was years ago, um, but I don't think it's probably so, you know, different today. Maybe even the time frame is shortened a little bit, but that first time expo- exposure to pornography is around 10 or 11 years old, but first time uh, that a, that a, this was for men. First time that a man would seek help for a pornography addiction was 35 years old. Oh, wow. So there's this sense in which I think even pornographers know from a marketing standpoint or a business standpoint, if I get a customer at 11 or 12, I've got them for 25 years. Yes. And so I think there, and I'm not, neither one of us are saying any of these kinds of things because of trying to create fear, right? Right. In the parents, we're, we're going to hang in there, parents. We're, we're going to get some good stuff that is not fear-based, but it's important to know the truth, right? About what you're dealing with. Yeah, exactly. And just understanding too, that there are a lot of essentially dark forces on the other side of that screen that are trying to pull our kids in. So like online predators, they didn't, they used to, you know, predators used to hang out at the park. We told our kids not to talk to strangers, but now it's like, okay, don't talk to strangers online because there really are, you know, sextortion is a real thing. They're trying mm-hmm. to get nudes of kids and and really trying to do whatever they can to get get images or get information from children so they can exploit them. And it that part is, you know, very frightening for sure. So before we get to some of the okay, some of the the positive strategies or maybe some of the ways that we go, hey, this is probably the healthiest way to navigate this. Can you share with us a little bit about some things that maybe you've seen or maybe that you even did yourself where you were like, this was not the best strategy. This is not the best way to go about addressing these topics with our kids. Yeah, well, I think initially, first of all, is just obviously handing over a device before you've done your homework. And that's definitely the camp that I landed in, which is surprising because we were the family that kept our TV in the closet and we don't we don't even have a TV now, which you know, isn't saying much because of portable devices, but we were very mindful of the screen time that our kids had. And I think it starts to get tricky for parents when we've taken our landlines away and then our kids still have that need to connect and communicate with their peers, just like we always have. And so then what do we do? So I think that's one of the biggest pitfalls is just get handing over too much too soon without preparing our kids, without having the conversations, without really understanding parental controls, you know, without making sure our kids are really ready. That that's a big pitfall. I think in addition to that, we've really relied a lot on just parental controls and things like cell phone contracts. So I think that when phones started becoming a thing and parents were trying to figure out how to navigate it. The simple solution seemed to be, I will just write down all the rules that my kids should follow through with, and I will have my kids sign this. And then, you know, we should be good to go. 
But that again is really not fully understanding that our kids aren't going to have a complete understanding of really what a contract is. And I think it's a lot to ask for a developing child to say, I I will never do these things. I have to interrupt for just a second because I'm thinking, you know, you mentioned earlier about the prefrontal cortex, right? And that it's not even fully developed till you're about 25. So just think about the illogical nature of saying, I'm going to expect a 14 year old to abide by a contract. Yes. Think of applying that to any other aspect of their lives. How well do 14 year olds (laughs) (laughs) respond to legal documents or whatever, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and then, you know, what will happen is they'll sign it because they want the phone, right? But then you're automatically like pitting yourself against each other because Mm -hmm. there's no way they're not going to never break one of those rules because quite often those contracts just really have a lot of rules on them that even as adults, most, some of us couldn't follow. And so mm-hmm. I think that that was, and so I don't, if anyone's listening and you've done a tech contract or a cell phone contract, I definitely don't want you to feel bad about that. Or there, you know, there could be things that ways that it's helped you, but I think a, you know, a better solution is to, gradually teach our kids, not give them more access than they're ready for. And then when the time is ready, really having a conversation about their values. And this is something we've done with our teens as they've gotten older, is we kind of sit down and we just say, okay, really, what are your top five values? If you, you know, here's a list, what would you say is most important to you? And then we talk about living those values, both offline and online, that like, we're the same person, whether we have you know, we're, we're chatting on our phone mm-hmm. or we're talking face to face. And I think that's really powerful. Just to kind of make this individual plan with your kids. Like, how are we going to use tech? Number one, as a family. And then number two, like individually. Um, so th- that's something just that that's worked really well for us. Well, I think I love the integrity element that you're bringing into that, because there is a sense in which when, uh, especially when you mentioned social media earlier, right? wow, there is such a strong pull. I don't care what age you are actually, but even more so for kids, there's such a strong pull to present yourself as something other than what you actually are or communicate about yourself in ways that are just not true. And so the idea that you're saying, no, we want to train where whether you are on a device or you are in person, you're the same person. You're not Mm. trying to be like divided. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Just the idea of just integrity in general and how important that is for, for, for parents to be training their kids and that, and and how do you go about doing that? Not just around screens, but just in life. Yeah. I think it happens in just converse, converse, everyday conversations that we have. And as parents, we can share examples or stories from our own lives where we've made a choice that maybe we wish we hadn't, or we made the right choice. And I think that helps our kids see that we're human, that we've had to overcome things and learn things. And I think also just sharing stories and examples, you know, if you're a faith-based family, obviously using scripture is a very helpful tool. And um, I think just for us, it's just been multiple conversations. And I think spending time together as a family, because really that that's part of it is building that relationship, right? With our kids and that relationship of trust so that when we do run into things online that we feel like 
hey, we've talked about this as a family. And I know I'm not going to be in trouble if I go tell mom or dad that I that I saw this, whether I looked for it on purpose or whether I saw it on accident, I that I can go and have that conversation with my parents. Um, I think that's let's, really let's, talk, let's pause there for just a second, because I'm, I, I can imagine that as soon as you said that, that you won't be in trouble for telling us about this. I'm sure some parents went, wait a second. Wait, wait no, no, they're totally in trouble. They need to be in trouble for <laughs> like, looking at something they shouldn't be looking at. Can you talk about why what you just said is so important in the building of trust? Yeah, well, really, because we don't want our kids to feel shame, shame as in that they are a bad person. And I think that's talking about that difference, even with your kids of like feeling some guilt that maybe we've we've done something that's contrary to our beliefs or our values. That's good for us, right? Because that makes us want to do better and be a better person. But when we start to feel shame, as in I am a bad person because I did something wrong, then if our kids don't feel like, if any of us feel like we can't go tell someone about it, then that shame just tends to get buried uh, layer upon layer, right? And then we start to feel even worse about ourselves. And then we might even um, go looking for pornography again or, or whatever those acts we're doing online or those, those habits that we're forming, um, we're just starting to feel worse and worse about ourselves, which isn't, isn't helpful. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to, I want to kind of take the, a little bit of the 30,000 foot view and then kind of get down into the weeds a little bit more, but just in general, where do parents need to start? Now I'm recognizing that I'm sure there's a lot of the parents that are listening. They're in the they're in the middle of it. They're in the thick of it, and and we'll get there. But if you had to just sort of start with a clean slate, hey, I've got this uh, this couple that's pregnant with their first child, and we can sort of map this out for a family of like, how do you go about doing this from birth to adulthood? Where would you start? What are the key things that you would want to have in place, and how do you go about you know raising your children? with this idea of integrity and dealing with technology in a wise way? Yeah, I think it really starts with creating a family tech plan. And even if you don't have kids, sitting down with your spouse or your partner and just deciding how you're going to use technology. And, you know, when we sat down with our our kids to create a family tech plan, because again, this was years down the road when some of us, you know, got into this because phones weren't a thing when when I had my older kids were little. Um, really, one of the first things the kid said was just, well, mom, you take your phone and your screen into the, your laptop into the bedroom. And I was like, you're right. And that was over five years ago. And I committed to my kids at that time that I wasn't going to anymore. And, and I haven't. And it's amazing just like the benefits that I've seen in my life, just the rest the reconnection with my spouse, you know, reconnection with a higher power, all of those things that have been real benefits. And so I can now share that with my kids. But I think if, you know, someone's just starting out and they don't even have kids, I think as a couple, you can make a decision like what role do you want your phone to play in your life? Because it really does start with modeling, modeling for your kids And I've gotten into the habit of leaving my phone home on date night. So we do date night on Saturday night. And I could see that it was even sometimes interfering 
just you'd think, oh, I'm just going to check this one thing or I'm just going to take a picture. And so my husband is less distracted by his phone. It's not that way for everyone, but that's how it works in our marriage. And so we bring his along in case, you know, the teens need to get a hold of us if they're babysitting or we want to take a picture. But I think just being honest with yourself, like what are some ways that I can improve before I even, you know, bring kids into, into our home? Yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. How important is it that there be a uh, like a modeling of how to go about doing this by the parents rather than kind of almost creating double standards? Um, because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I grew up in, a, you know, kind of the, a generation where there was very much double standards. Like parents can do this and they have expectations on their kids that are completely different <laughs> than the parents. And I know for me, that was confusing. I was like, um, we're, you know, we're, we're both humans. We're just different ages. Like, why is that like, why is that okay for you, but not okay for me? You know? And so talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, I think people feel differently about this. You know, there's all different opinions, but really I think there's just so much power when you can take a team approach in a family. And so when my kids could see that I was modeling that, then as they became teenagers, that expectation was just so much easier. I think it's, I kind of liken it to if you take your shoes off when you go into the home or there's kind of certain things that you do in certain houses. And I think um, just the power of modeling that and being an example is so so powerful. It becomes especially important when your kids become teenagers. And that's kind of what I want to highlight because I think when your kids are young, you can kind of get away with a lot, do whatever you want with your phone, but it is impacting your relationship for sure with, with your kids. If it is a huge distraction and while they may not call you out on it because of their age, they're going to feel that and sense that, that like, okay, well, my mom's phone is more important than me right now or the conversation I want to have. And so even though they will, might not say at a young age, they, they can feel that they can sense that. And that's that time when we are building that relationship of trust with our kids so that when they are teenagers, they're like, Oh yeah, well, I know my mom, she, but she puts her phone in the charging station at night. And so when you tell your teens that rule, they're like, okay, yeah, this is, this is how it is. It's helpful. You know, one of the things that I like that that is sort of just already woven into everything that you've been talking about here is you you have a positive attitude toward technology. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think sometimes people make it like they look at a device and they make the device itself either good or evil. Can you talk about just the maybe the goodness of technology and what you're actually trying to sort of bifurcate and fight against um, around those things? Yeah, well, when we created our family tech plan before we even decided on, you know, where, when, what, how long we were going to use devices, we actually just had a conversation where we got out the poster board and we drew a thumbs up on one side and we drew a thumbs down on the other and just put, you know, a line down the middle. And I asked the kids, what are all the things that you love about tech? And we made a long list. And then I said, okay, thumbs down. What are the things we need to watch out for? Again, like long list. And I totally encourage your listeners to, to do this with their kids. Mm-hmm. And right from the get-go, you are giving your kids this opportunity to develop that skill of discernment. 
And discernment is the skill to be able to tell the difference between right and wrong and good and bad. And I think it's so powerful because you are letting them know that technology isn't necessarily good or bad. It it can, it has power for both. It depends on how we use it. Right. And so, um, I think having that conversation with your kids is really powerful, letting them tell you what's good about tech, what's bad about tech. And obviously, you know, tech is incredible. And so I think it is it is hard because I spend a lot of time telling people to get off their devices. That is kind of one of my main focuses. But at the same time, there are so many good uses of tech. And so I think just making sure that that is part of the dialogue in the home so that you, your kids don't feel like you are always demonizing tech. Yeah. So can you talk about a little bit of what are the, what are the key components of a family creating a tech plan and how is that different from like a phone contract? Yeah. So the biggest difference is that it's not the parents just laying down the rules. It is instead a collaborative approach where you're bringing your whole family together. And when we first did this, you know, we had all five of our kids. I think our youngest was three. And so obviously she wasn't really contributing. She was doing Legos on the floor, but she was there with us. She was like part of the part of the family. And then by that point, I did have one teenager who was not super thrilled to be there or to be part of the conversation. And, you know, I just was like, we're just going to roll with it because this is a conversation we need to have. And so we got out our poster board and I tell families like, you don't have to be that formal. If you wanted to sit around the kitchen table with a piece of paper and some ice cream, that's great. But really just talking about where are we going to use screens? What are we going to do on them? You know, when will we use them and for how long? And I think that's really powerful to let your kids kind of throw out some ideas. And it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily adopt all of those ideas, but just hear everybody out. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I did share that I mentioned earlier was that we were only going to use screens and shared spaces. And I know that that's so challenging for families now because it used to be the idea was you had your desktop computer and it was in an open area or an office that was accessible with an open door. And now we have all these portable devices and we have the internet, which has completely changed things. And so as a family, we have to make those decisions together that we're going to commit to, to not taking devices in the bedrooms and bathrooms. And I honestly think that's one of the top things I would tell families to try to implement and do because it really will safeguard your kids in so many ways and you too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So talk a little bit about, talk to the parents out there that are just like, They've got their head in their hands right now and they're going, I have messed up in so many ways on how to go about this. They're feeling that kind of the weight of failure. Can you just try to give some encouragement to those parents who are saying, I don't know if we can start over again. I don't know how to go from where we are right now. Yeah, well, I always say it's never too early to prepare and it's never too late to turn things around. And I I truly believe that. And hopefully you know, they've heard my story at the beginning where we did go back to a brick phone and it was, it was hard and it wasn't fun, but I've honestly heard from so many parents or since I started doing this for the past five years of like, I, I didn't think that we could, you know, take a step back, whatever that step was. And it's been different for different families, but 
it's always so encouraging when they commit to it and really work on building. I would say the top thing is to build the relationship with your kids. So even if their tech, anyone's tech use is just totally out of control, do whatever you can to build the relationship because it's that connection piece that matters most, right? And that's the thing that's going to eventually kind of help your kids maybe see your point of view and for you to see their point of view and doing whatever you can to take some time to connect and put your devices aside. So like, Hey, let, let's go get ice cream or let's go ride bikes and leaving your own phone at home. And even like voicing that to your kids, just, or if it's teenager, like let's go run some errands. I'm going to leave my phone here. Let's leave our phones here, you know? And I think making it more of kind of a fun challenge that we're doing together is really helpful. Um, And obviously, like if it's your child or teen is really feeling stuck and in a trap, whether that's gaming or pornography or sucked into social media and like there's obviously so many things they could be sucked into you know, not being afraid to get some outside help if they really are struggling, whether that's from a therapist or a school counselor or someone else, because it really is something that can easily suck our kids in, but not, not giving up, I think is key. Yeah, that's so good. You know, you mentioned ice cream twice, and I'm thinking if there's any (laughs) kids listening right now, they're going to be like tugging on their parents saying, let's do that. If we're not going to do screen time, let's do ice cream. So uh, I think that's always a good alternative. And, and, and one, one last thing I want to ask you before we kind of start landing the plane here is, um, you know, you talk about uh, kind of introducing tech slowly and maybe in stages. Can you talk about maybe some key things to look for to say, is my child ready for whatever maybe the next stage of tech, you know, accessibility is? Yeah. So we, after going through this and getting it wrong the first time, we came up with a self-evaluation that that parents can download at Better Screen Time. And it's just called, Am I Ready for a Personal Device? And how we came up with this is we actually sat our kids down and we asked them two questions. I said, what does it mean to be responsible? And they were like, oh, that means you get up for school on time on your own and you do your homework without being asked and you do your chores and kind of made this long list. And then my second question was, what does it mean to be emotionally mature? And that's a little bit more to unpack, but they kind of got it. They're like, okay, that means you're kind to your siblings. It means that you don't throw a fit when things don't go your way. And so we made this list and when we got to the end, I was like, right. And those are all the things that a person needs to do before they're ready for their own phone. And my kids were like, oh, (laughs) but what we did is that we then turned that into a self-evaluation so parents can print that out and actually give it to their child and their child's starting to ask and they can evaluate themselves and just see like, how am I doing on these things? And I think parents will find and parents have found as they've used this, that it takes a very responsible emotionally mature person to really be ready for a device. And so we kind of use that as like our guidepost to kind of help us as we go from one step to the next and uh, just taking it very slowly, seeing how they're doing with the responsibility that they've been given. And, And I always tell families like start with a family device that's just shared. It's not 
anyone's. It's, you know, it belongs to the family. And I think that's a really great way to start to gauge how well your kids can handle that responsibility. Yeah. So as we wrap up here, Andrea, what are some just final words of encouragement and hope that you might give to the parents out there? And then where can they get more information about you and your resources? Yeah, I think, again, just realizing that, you know, if you're getting ahead of the game, it really isn't too early to prepare to start on your own tech habits. And if you feel like you've messed up, it's not too late to turn things around. And I think really just understanding that we kind of want to go from this place of feeling worried and scared and panicked about screen time to feeling calm and confident. And that's, it's a journey, right? It takes time. And with each child, we're learning as we go. And I think also just giving yourself some grace because parents haven't ever done this before. We're all navigating this together. None of us is going to perfect, do it perfectly. You know, I, for sure, I'm not doing it perfectly, but we do at least have a lot of research now. We have a lot of parents who have been through this over the past five years, which is why I'm doing this. And so just, you know, take some heart that there are people and resources to help guide you and that you can do this. And we are at betterscreentime.com. Ironically, you can find me on better on Instagram as better screen time. And then we have a great email list uh, uh, that you can find. If you go to our website, you can join our email list. And that's a great place to get tips and additional help too. Yeah, I love that. I'm I'm so glad you mentioned that uh, about grace because uh, I had a good friend and mentor of mine many years ago gave me a perspective on that where he said, you know, you've never actually been in today before. So you've never been exactly this age at exactly the same point in any of your relationships. Every new day is like, it's truly new. Oh, wow. So he was trying to give me a perspective of like, so give yourself some grace, man. You've never been here before. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> love that. I, I try to do that every single day. I'm like, you're right. I've never been here. I've never been exactly this age. I've never had exactly this um, point in time with my relationship. So, so true. Um, but Andrea, thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for being with us today. I think it was a great conversation and um, we look forward to sending people your way. Thank you, Jonathan. It was my pleasure. Yeah. So listeners, we're going to put all of that information in the show notes about um, Andrea's ministry and her her resources and everything. And um, parents have courage. Uh, You're the best resource for your child. Don't think any differently than that. So we want to help you take your next best step. Please reach out to us if you have questions. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.